want to ask you a couple of questions I've been asking every week. First one is, is the God that you know worth knowing? Yeah, yeah. Is he worth knowing? How come? What is different in your life because you know him than, than, you, than was before you knew him? Gives you peace. What else? He gives us grace. Joy. Yeah. What else? Eternal life. Comfort. Hope. How about uh, power for living this life? Yeah. All right. He is worth knowing, and, and uh, like Lindsay said just a moment ago, um, there are people out there that are looking, you know, it was Blaise Pascal, I guess, who said it first, that are looking for something to fill up the hole in their life that only God can fulfill. Yeah, yeah. And we found that to be true, I mean, in our, in our lives. That there's a place that only God can fill, and when he does and when we let him, uh, he brings a fullness to our life that we never experienced in anything else, any other area of our lives before, with any other thing that we try to fill it up. Yeah, it's true. He is worth knowing. Would other people love to have the relationship with God that you have? Yeah, yes, I hope so, I hope so. If not, what, probably we need to work a little bit on our relationship with God because it's probably not you, him, it's probably us, right? Um, we talked a little bit about the last couple of weeks. I asked you the first week, I asked you if you would be willing, just willing to open up and consider um, the opportunity to share your faith. And then last week I asked you if you might be willing to leave your comfort zone to do that. Yeah, and... Uh, and uh, I pray the answer for us is yes on both accounts. But uh, before, before we move on any further, today is the day that we talk about how, all right? Let's say you're convinced that, yeah, you've received this greatest gift of, of knowing God through Jesus Christ. You've received it. And now you've seen, yeah, I, I need to be uh, more active in sharing my faith. And, and I want to do this thing. I, but, but what do I do when I get there? You know, it's not a matter of us disagreeing about, yeah, people don't really need to be reached about God. There's no one who believes that here, I, I hope, I don't think. Uh, but the question is, how do we do it? What, what do we do when we get there? What do we do when we leave our comfort zone and we actually approach someone with the thought of, Lord, let me be used by you to share maybe my faith with this person? What do you do when you get there? That's what this whole uh, next 30 minutes is going to be about today. Uh, so uh, anyway, um, hope you're ready. We're going to go fairly quickly today. We've got a lot of ground to cover. Um, but I wanted to, uh, you have a handout with you. Uh, it, they pass it out here during the break. And uh, that's what I wh where we're going to be at this morning. I wanted to give you notes today because we're going to be covering a lot of material. I try, in, in most sermons, I try to only give you one point uh, to really leave with. But today I, I can't do it in one point. So I wanted to give you some notes to go home with and and to, and to ponder and get you writing a little bit to remember. How do you do it? How do we, uh, we it, once we've mustered the courage, once we've said yes to the Lord, once we've prayed and said, Lord, I would be willing to be used by you today to maybe even share my faith or to meet someone's need in hopes that I'll get the chance to share my faith, what do you do from that standpoint? Um, I'm going from, um, actually, uh, a, a book from Bill Hybels. He wrote a, another book called Becoming a Contagious Christian. Has anyone read that? Okay, add that to your list, Becoming a Contagious Christian from Bill Hybels, that's H-Y-B-E-L-S, Bill Hybels. This is a second book that he's written on the, on the subject, on the topic, it's called Just Walk Across the Room, 
And uh, uh, I've, actually, I've got another copy back at home I meant to bring today to give away. I will do that next week. Uh, but anyway, fantastic books on sharing your faith. And let me tell you where kind of this comes from for me, too, about why we're talking about this today. Um, one is um, we as a church are not doing a good job at evangelism. You know how I know? We're not doing a good job because we don't have people who are not children who are coming to Christ, right? Now, is, is this the way it ought to be? No. Now, the Lord desires something different from us, but this happens in every aspect of our lives, does it not? We come to the point that with our finances or with our marriage or with our children or with our faith or with uh, how we're spending our time or how we're spending our money that we come to God and, and we come to, to some point where, where we look at what we ought to be doing and we look at where we are and we see a d- difference, a distinction. And the question is, what do we do with that? Do we run from it and avoid it and say, Lord, please don't convict me from this area because it's something I really don't want to do? Or do we say, show me how to be more obedient? The latter is always better, let me tell you. <laughs> it's because the second time it's a little bit longer around the curve, if you know what I'm talking about. But anyway, um, uh, uh, but we don't disagree with the need, but we struggle how to do it. How do we get it done? How do we share our faith? And can I tell you, too, this is personal for me. Um, I, Evangelism is not one of my spiritual gifts. It's just not. And it's probably not one of yours either. There are, uh, I, I know a few people here, I think, who have a gift of evangelism. But um, let me back up just a little bit. When I was in college, um, I was uh, under the tutelage of Buddy Young. He was a, a young Baptist student minister back there, and I was a young college student back then. And uh, boy, things have changed in 20 years. But anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're going to laugh. Um, uh, Buddy's a natural evangelist. He has a gift of evangelism. I often joke that he, if there were, we went to the forest, he would be evangelizing the trees. You know what I mean? Uh, he's just that kind of guy. He will evangelize to anyone, anytime, anywhere. It just doesn't matter. It's just very natural for him. I was not, and I, I, I wanted to grow in that in that time uh, 20 years ago. And so I asked Buddy if he and I could go around campus and just, uh, and just visit people who'd been to the BSM with an opportunity maybe to share our faith with them. And I learned from Buddy a lot in that, uh, those, that year that we went around together and, and visited people on campus. It's good to hang out with someone who has a gift that you don't have. You learn how to do it better. And I'll never, uh, I, don't, I don't have the gift of evangelism, don't know if I'll be granted it some other time in my life, but it's something I've had to learn to do better at, yeah? And I want to continue to learn to do better at it. And I hope you too want to learn to do better at it because we want to walk in obedience in this area of our lives, amen? Are you with me? Now, let's put aside, you've had training probably in the past if you're a good Baptist kid growing up. You have had pastors, preachers, uh, you've gone to conferences where people have made you feel very guilty about it, and you've avoided this subject for may- maybe many years of your life. It, yeah, does that true? Does that register with anybody? Don't raise your hand. Um, does that register with you? If it does, let me, let's take all that this morning, and let's put that aside, and let's talk about this like it's a brand new day, all right? That's called grace, right? <laughs> right. That's the nature of our God. Uh, it's not, nat- not necessarily the, the nature of people, but it is the nature of our God. I want to share with you very practically how, what do you do once you've gotten the courage up, once you've stepped out in faith and you said, Lord, I want to be obedient in this area. You just show me how. I want to share with you this, this morning uh, some stuff that I've learned now from Bill Hybels uh, about how we take those steps with people. How many of you have, have had relationships with people where you've walked away and you think, I should have said something about my faith here. Has that happened to you? 
It happens all the time, doesn't it? You, you walk away and things get a little bit uncomfortable. They'll maybe reveal something to you that, all, that, that is all of a sudden uncomfortable, and you say, well, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, hope that goes well for you. And then we w turn and walk the other way because things have just gotten uncomfortable, and I don't want to be forced to share my faith because that would be even more uncomfortable. Have you, have you done that? I, I think we probably all have. But um, that's what I want to talk to you about today. So let's get, let's get going. You've got three blanks on, the, on your sheet there this, this morning. So let's, look, let's talk about them. Um, the sermon title is entitled Living in 3D, and it basically talks about 3D, so it's easy to remember. Uh, 3Ds, three things to remember about developing a relationship with people and potentially getting to share uh, Christ with them. The first one is, uh, the first blank is develop friendships with people. Develop friendships. The next one is discover their stories. Discover their stories. And the last one is uh, discern the next steps. Discern the next steps. Okay, we're going to talk through these a little bit. Let me tell you a little bit what's wrong in church, and it's not just our church, it's almost every church. Um, the longer a person attends the church, the fewer friends that they have that are unbelievers. Let me tell you what that means. Then because of that, they have fewer discussions with God with unbelievers. And they have fewer opportunities to share their faith with unbelievers. Um, and so that's the path of almost every average Christian. Um, there's a chart in, uh, in, in Bill Heibel's book, and it looks like this. Um, on the left-hand side, you have people who, are, uh, who, who, are, who, who Christians are in contact with, and these are specifically people who are far off from God. People, whenever they're non-believers, come to Christ knowing about 20 non-believers in, in a close way that they would describe as friends, all right? Now, look what happens after years of walking with Christ is on the bottom. Look what happens after the first two or three or four years. It starts to decline dramatically, and they start replacing friendships with unbelievers with friendships with believers, right? Not a bad thing, right? Not a bad thing, except you get to about year eight, and now all of a sudden they have no close friends, no good friends, no people who they have a real connection with who are non-believers. Does that make sense? After about eight years, they know basically no one on a very close basis who is a non-believer. All right. That is the typical story. That is the typical uh, Christian in, in, in America. But as we walk with Christ, instead of seeing this downward trend in the number of people that we have contact with or close contact with who are unbelievers, we ought to see something different in our lives, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we expect something different as I walk with Jesus Christ and he is changing and, and adjusting my character to be more and more like him? Shouldn't I see something different than this dwindling attachment with, with, uh, with unbelievers? Uh, I think I should. This next graph shows something that... that uh, that Bill Hybels put together, we ought to see an increase in our love for people, even people who are maybe not believers, true? We ought to see over the years of walking with Jesus Christ that we, similar to him, have an increasing love and desire for people, an uh, increasing propensity to reach out to them in friendship and to love them, maybe even love them into the kingdom of God. Uh, here's what he shows there in uh, in the first couple of years is really when we, you, you know, when you're coming, when you're a believer, you're really starting to struggle with grace and really what it means because uh, the grace that God has we've not seen on this earth, true? Uh, it totally accepting and totally forgiving and totally our sins were completely taken care of by the cross and we don't have to uh, work for favor with God. Yeah, that's the gospel right there, isn't it? 
uh, and it takes a few years to struggle through that. And then after a few years, we begin to, to use our gifts. We begin to learn what our gifts are in Christ, and we begin to use them uh, over time. And then we begin, after a few times, we begin to really mature, and we begin to focus, and we really begin to see that, huh, maybe this isn't all about me. Maybe this really is about Jesus Christ. And we begin to focus and use our gifts for the benefit of other people. And then ultimately, we have a desire to spread the same grace that we've received to other people. That's the way that it ought to, to look. That's the way that we, that we ought to be. Uh, and it's, uh, it's difficult to get there. It's difficult to continue that maturing process. Uh, but that's what we desire. That's what I desire. I, ho- I hope it is you too. Um, let me, t- would you turn with me? We're going to look at Jesus and in, in um, uh, some of the folks he hung out with and what he t- said to him. Would you turn with me to Luke chapter 15, please? Luke chapter 15. We're going to start in the very first part of this verse. We know something very unusual about Jesus Christ. If you imagine him in his godhood, we would imagine him as being holy and righteous and perfect uh, and just. And we imagine him maybe uh, being so good and righteous and perfect that maybe he was unapproachable. But it's not so. Uh, Jesus Christ was incredibly approachable. In fact, he was like a magnet to people, especially people Uh, of questionable character, uh, people who had terrible habits and horrible lifestyles. He was like a magnet to them, somehow, unbelievably. Would you look with me? Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, we'll start with. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Can you believe the audacity of Jesus Christ? What kind of sinners did Jesus hang out with? What do we know from the scriptures? What do we know from the gospels? Prostitutes, tax collectors. You remember me teaching basically that tax collectors in that day were basically traitors to their own country. What else? Who else? We know he hung out with an adulterer or two, right? We know that that he hung out with people who were diseased. We know that he hung out sometimes with people who were handicapped. We know that he hung out with people of all sorts, of, of every arena, every area of life, and every spectrum, every, everywhere. Yeah, that's right. And they even, even called him, a, yeah, basically a, a drunkard because he hung out with drunkards. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. As we walk, uh, as, as we become a Christian, the average Christian, we tend to become less and less tolerant with people who are non-Christians. It's as though we get angry at sinners for sinning. You know, you know what people who are sinners do? They sin. You remember what you did before you came to Jesus Christ? You remember what you still struggle with? Yeah, yeah, funny, huh? Odd. Um, you know, it, it, you know. Here, let me tell you this. You know, I've I, I've even been open. I, I've even been open to the idea that that Lord, I want to be open to share my faith. And you know, still the people that I'm. Uh, um, uh, I'm going to use the word attracted, but you just know what I mean by that. The people that I'm attracted to then, the people that, I, that gather my attention, are people who are full of grace, and, and, and their speech is, is full of, you know, patience. And, and I find myself uh, being, you know, looking after those people and, and saying, oh, Lord, you know, uh, I, I would like to share the gospel with them. And you know what? It turns out they're already believers. Funny, huh? Those are not the people Jesus even said. It's not the, it's not the well, it's not the, the healthy people who need a doctor. It's the sick. Do you have sick people around you at your work? Do you have people who you look at and say, these guys are so far from God. 
they are so lost. Maybe they have a, a horrible lifestyle. Maybe they have a, a, a questionable character, to say the least. Maybe they're untrustworthy. Maybe they're derelicts completely. The amazing thing is, is that Jesus hung out with these people, and some of, many of these people, their lives were changed forever after an encounter with Jesus Christ. Now, here's the question. Do you believe that Jesus Christ can transform a life or not? You believe he can? He's transformed mine. Is he capable of transforming someone who's worse off than I am? Is his arm too short to save? Are there people who are beyond his reach? Are there people that you have, have seen and, and looked at and said, man, there is just no way. There's no way they could ever come to God. They're so far away from him. But we know from studying some of the other, uh, some of the other uh, gospel accounts that it was actually those people who ended up closer to God than, than the uh, Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the people who are quote-unquote righteous, right? It's an amazing story. Uh, and let me just say, let me just tell you this morning, well, here, let's get through some of these. It, Jesus truly believed that old pe- the old could be made new, that the fallen could be restored, that the prideful could be humbled, that wanderers can come home, that the weak could become strong, that derelicts, even derelicts, could become disciples. And he would go on to tell three stories about how uh, the lost can be found in Luke chapter 15, verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. Okay, get this. So all these people who are sinners, right, lousy, outcasts of society, untouchable people, people that any, no one else wanted to hang around, be around. And they gathered around Jesus, and he taught them this parable. Does anybody remember seeing this in the Jesus film? Okay, never mind. Let's move on. All right. Then Jesus told them this parable, speaking to them. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Then he went on to tell another parable. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then he goes on to tell the parable of the lost son. We won't cover that one today. But there's a, there are a couple things that are very similar in all these stories. One is the lost can be found. Are you with me? The lost can be found. The second thing is there was rejoicing by God over one sinner who repents. It's not just that, God, that Jesus is very reluctant to let someone in the kingdom. He is waiting and willing and wanting to reach the people who are terribly lost around you. Amen? And the amazing thing is, in many cases, he wants you to help do it. He wants you to be a vessel to point them in the right direction, to point them toward uh, toward Jesus Christ, to point them up, to point them to God's forgiveness and the grace and whatever you, whatever you have found uh, to point out to them for them to found, find too. Um, so here, let me ask you just a few questions. The next time that you pull into your driveway and you see your neighbor, will you overlook them and just pull into the garage and keep going with your life? 
the next time that you're at the at the grocery store or the convenience store and you're trying to get in and out and you know we all live such you know very uh, significant lives that we're always in a hurry okay, yeah that's personal for me uh, that's me too um, that that the person at the counter they need to be fast they need to hurry because I need to get out the door you know will we take four seconds and learn their name and if it's especially if it's someone that you see over and over and over again will you find out a little bit about their story just to befriend them, just to show a little bit of the love and the concern of Jesus Christ? Yeah, would you do that? With your classmate who's going through some struggle, would you take just a moment and say, I've noticed you're, you, you've, you've been down. I notice you're, are you, having, are, are you having some struggle? Is there something I could help you with? Would you take just a moment, just take two minutes out of your day and just to approach someone in the love of Christ? And you don't have to say, can I share with you the four spiritual laws? Listen, there's a reason that it's the three D's, right? First, you develop a friendship with them. And then next is you discover their story. W- what's going on in their lives? What's going on? You know, we, we have a, a, a society and a lifestyle where we're all so busy that we bounce around to people and we talk about the weather and we talk about the cowboys and we talk about maybe the Colts. Uh, if you hang around Brenda, you'll be talking about the Colts. Um, and, and, and we talk about our teams, and we talk about our children and our spouses, but it's, it's hard to get past, it's hard to get into the next level with people, isn't it? And so much so, listen, here's what's happened, I think, in our society, and, and forgive me, I'm only almost 40, so I, don't, I have only lived like one life, but I suspect we're losing the ability to connect with people. If we weren't, I don't think sermons like this would be necessary. But I think we live in such a fast-paced society, and we're so connected through the Internet and through tweeting and through uh, 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 Skyping and through all these things that it's like we've lost the ability to really connect with other people. That's a little frightening to me. Uh, It's a little frightening to me. Uh, It's like we're all connected, and and it's like we're, we're, we're all connected, but in such a shallow, shallow way that we've forgotten how to really connect with other people. Can I tell you what happens? Can I tell you what's going to happen with this next generation? They're going to be starving for connection, real connection with people. And it, the church has got to know how to do it. We've got to learn how to do it with each other. We've got to learn how to do it with other people so that we can connect with people on a real level, so that we can meet their deepest needs, which is, of course, for a spiritual need for forgiveness and grace and, and strength that can be found only through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Are you with me? You with me? All right. All right, let's keep going. We've got to keep, keep, keep moving here. Uh, first, develop friendships. Second is discover their stories. Wh- what's going on with them? We talk about, you know, the sports teams, and we talk about the weather, and we talk about how much snow we've had, and isn't this weather great? But, but what's life been like for them? what's their story? What, what, do you, what do they think's going well in their life? What's going very poorly in their life? Where are they at in their life? Where are they at with their children? Um, and can I tell you this too? God has, has, has made you exactly as you are. You know, I, I'm talking about this and some of you are saying, I am so shy, I couldn't possibly do this. You know what I find? Shy people hang around with, oh yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? People who are extroverts, like our, our good buddy Caitlin, and maybe the most extroverted person I've ever met in my entire life. Even Phil up, Arjuna. Yeah, maybe too. Caitlin, un- unbelievable. She's not here. I can pick her on her a little bit today. Uh, but anyway, uh, uh, you, you can tell her I said so. Uh, extroverted people tend to hang out with extroverted people. God has made you and wired you in a way, and he's put you in a place at your work, 
in your neighborhood, in your class, wherever, for a purpose. Are you with me? Do you hear me? Do you believe that? You are where you are, and you are who you are by God's design. Would you look with me in Acts chapter 17? It, uh, it says this. You, you know what? Don't turn there. Don't, let's not take the time to turn there. You just, re just remember it. I've got it marked down on your deal. You can look it up later. But just from the, from the screen here. From one man, he, this is God, of course, made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined, listen to what God determined and designed. He determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far off from each of us. Who determined where you should live and the exact time that you should live? Who determined? God has designed and orchestrated all of it. He is that good a planner. How about that? He is, uh, it, it is profound, but wherever you are, he has put you there for a reason. And can I tell you, for the extroverts, you will probably befriend other extroverts. For the very shy, you will probably befriend people who are very shy. But listen, everyone can be used by God in a profound way to affect the people's lives around you. Amen? I don't care if you're shy. I don't care if you're an extrovert. I don't care, you know, I, it does not matter. You can be used by God in a profound way wherever you are. God has orchestrated that you are who you are and where you are and that you are where you are when you are. Is that too much, too many? Yeah, you with me? All right. He's determined it. He's determined it. Develop friendships, discover their stories, listen to them. You know, people love to talk about themselves. Uh, back in the good days, as I like to refer to them, when I worked for Schwann's Foods, I was a, a delivery driver. And let me tell you, I was, I was so incredibly shy. I was so incredibly shy growing up. Uh, it, w it was incredible. I, I couldn't hardly talk to people. I, if I talked to people, I would get red-faced and embarrassed. You know what I mean? I was just that painfully shy. I was forced uh, to, to engage people when I was at Schwann's. And can I tell you, today I can look back and say, God used that in my life to force me to get out of my shyness a little bit, you know? It was a great time. It was painful. There were days I didn't want to go work because I didn't want to face people every day. You know what I mean? It's just tough. And when your livelihood consists of, uh, of, of relationships with people, it makes it really difficult. But I learned a lot about getting to, uh, to meet and to be conversational with people, and I thank God for that. But, but let me tell you, wherever you are, people love to talk about themselves. Ask them about themselves. Ask them about their children. Ask them about how their life is going Discover their story, what's going on with them, and, and listen, and, and, and listen as you, as you talk to them. That's what we're going to talk about next year. Discover or develop friendships. Just be willing to develop friendships with people. Discover their stories, and then discern the next steps. Let me tell you what that means. Discern the next steps. Here's the next thing. All of this is great, but if the Holy Spirit's not involved, it, it won't matter, right? You and I do not save, Correct? You and I do not advance people spiritually. You and I do not forgive. We do not extend grace. We do not uh, any of those things. That is all a part of God and, and all a part of the Holy Spirit. When you're in a relationship when you're really seeking someone's best and you really want to have the opportunity perhaps one day to be able to share your faith with them or at least point them to Jesus Christ, listen for the Holy Spirit's leading. Listen for his leading. Because he's in tune with what's going on in that person's life. And he can direct you. And all you got to say is, Lord, help me know what to say. Help me know when I need to jump in and share my faith. Help me know what I can do in so any one little way that I might point to you. That I might show them your grace that you've poured out on me. Yeah? 
All right, you got to listen for the Holy Spirit's prompting for his leading. And you got to listen for those opportunities. When is it time to talk about something deeper? Are you with me? My, here, let me tell you. If you go up to 100 doors today and you knock on the door and you say, may I share with you the four spiritual laws, 99 of them are going to say no. One's going to be very gracious who's heard the four spiritual laws already and say, yeah, come in, let's talk about the four spiritual laws. It, it just doesn't work like that. But through developing friendships, discovering people's stories, and just loving people enough to be concerned for them, you're going to get the opportunity to share your faith with them. Amen? All right. Here's the other thing. As you're talking, as you're listening to them, dis, dis, as you're listening to them tell their stories, people reveal, off, sometimes un, unintentionally, where they are, what's going on in their lives that's bothering them, uh, what's going very poorly in their, their lives. And, and if you'll listen for that, you can listen for the ability to meet their needs. You can, you can hear what's going on in their lives so that you have an open door to say, I can help you with that. I can point you in the right direction. If you'll just listen as they're talking, yeah, people will reveal their needs. Uh, you hear, you know, and, y and we have a choice. You know, m many of you have lost parents, you know, and, and it's a difficult thing. I've seen people struggle through it. But one day you may meet someone who's lost a dad or a mom, and you can either say, you know, I'm really sorry. I know that's hard. Give them a hug and walk on. Or you can say, how are you doing with that? I, I lost my dad, too, and let me tell you, that was a difficult time in my life. And, and if you'd like to talk about that more, I, let me tell you, these are the things that have helped me. Maybe it was a, an aspect of God's character that really helped you through that time. Maybe it was a passage of Scripture that really helped you in that time of your grieving. Maybe it was a book that you read, a Christian book that you read. But is there something that you can do at that time to help meet that need in them and not just walk away? Could you help meet a, a need in them? Um, uh, yeah, and whatever it is. You know, sometimes people's needs are physical, and sometimes we can meet those needs. Sometimes there's something very practical. Sometimes we can meet those needs. Other times they're just emotional. Sometimes it, people just need someone to hear them out and to listen to them. Whatever it is, would you be willing to meet that need? Would you be willing to be there and, and to help meet that need in their lives and just listen for the opportunity to take the conversation one step deeper, one step at a time? Um, but how do you move from initial interactions? How do you move from the weather? And how do you move from, from talking about the kids and how busy life is? And how do you move beyond that? Let me tell you, there are three very simple words. Are you with me? Be with them. Be with them. Make time for them. Do life for them, with them. Whatever you got to do, you be with them. You make time with them. And, and you'll see that over time, as we spend time with people, their lives begin to open up, and we have an ability and an opportunity uh, to meet with them. Let me tell you a quick story. Uh, there's a story in the book about a, a, a family who, uh, went, uh, who was in uh, Willow Creek Church, and um, they, they decided that they wanted to do a better job at meeting their neighbors uh, and meeting their needs and getting to know them. So they had a block party, and then one block party turned into a monthly get-together, and then before long they were getting together with their neighbors every, uh, every once a month formally, and then just running into each other. They would get together with each other, and, and uh, they were also traveling to Cuba doing some missionary work there. And over time, these people, many of them who were lost, would help them gather up stuff to send with them on their mission trips to Cuba but see, they were just so integrated together. They were just doing life together. And so even though these people would never ordinarily do anything to support missions in Cuba, in relationship, they began to support mission work in Cuba. And from those relationships, several people became 
uh, became believers because of these people's testimony and because of their story. Let me tell you, Brenda and I have been through a number of things in our lives, and those things are open doors into other people's lives. You know what I'm saying? I see someone struggling with a marriage, I can relate. I can see someone struggling financially, I can relate. I see someone who's struggling to be the father that God's called them to, I can relate. I see someone struggling to be the husband that, that they desire to be, I can relate. Man, I got a lot of open doors, you know what I'm saying? Because the Lord's worked in a lot of ways in my life. You do too. You do too. And that's the open door into someone's life. If you'll, if you'll develop a friendship with them, if you'll listen and discover their stories, and if you'll discern the next steps, God's going to open up a door into their lives and let you march right in and share with them and tell them about God's grace and his mercy and his strength that you've experienced in your life. Are you with me? Are you with me? Is that difficult? Listen, the only thing that's difficult is being willing and making time. True? Being willing and making time. All right. Let's close like this. Um, the very first thing is for us to be willing, is for us to be open to God and say, I am willing today, just today, Lord, I am willing to be used by you. Let me, uh, let me tell you one other quick story. I got, to, I got to go to Beach Reach back 20 years ago. That was right after God had created the beach there in uh, South Padre. And uh, he was still grinding the sand to make it fine. But, um, uh, it, and uh, I remember I was sitting in the back of the van, that, as Lindsay was talking about, the, the van ministry, where they go around and they pick up people to make sure that they're, they're safe and, and oftentimes going from hotels or bars or whatever to make sure that they're safe and they're getting around the island. Uh, but what they would do is on every bench seat in the van, they would place a believer to sit there and to share the gospel with them. Well, in, in one particular ride, I, uh, there was no one sitting in the back seat with me except another believer and uh, th one of the beach reachers. And then in front of us, though, there was a guy who was sitting there and uh, another gentleman who got on board who was not a believer. And uh, as we were there, you know, we didn't have anything to do. And so um, we just put our head, our, our hands on the back of the seat and, and just started praying. And, and kind of unintentionally, we could hear the conversation going on in front of us. But let me tell you what happened. This person got on, and we just started praying, Lord, give this believer, give them the strength to share, to give them the courage to open their mouths and to share the gospel. And they started conversation. They started, started uh, sharing what was going on. And then we said, now, Lord, please, would you just, the, per the unbeliever, would you just open up their lives so that they're, they're open to receive the gospel? And I tell you, it was like instantaneous prayer. It was the most incredible experience I've ever had where it was just instantaneous prayer. Immediately, this person who was not a believer started sharing about the difficulty they have in their life and their, and their family. And then we said, well, Lord, just give, give this other, give the believer an opportunity to speak to that. And, and the believer started speaking to that. And, and then we said, well, give them an opportunity to sh really share the gospel. And, and they agreed that they would, the, the van ride was over at this point, but they agreed at that time that they'd get together later. And that person later came to know the Lord uh, as they met together off the bus. But uh, it's an incredible thing. Can I tell you, God is about saving lost people. He came to seek and to save them, and he wants to use you to do it. It's not high pressure. It's not difficult. You and I just play a very little part in it. It's not all on your shoulders. If you can just take someone and you can point them to Jesus Christ a time or two, if you can be used in their life to point into Jesus Christ in a difficult time, then maybe someone else picks up and the next thing. But maybe you're the person who gets to lead them to Christ. Who knows? But would you just be willing? It's not difficult. Develop friendship. Uh, de <laughs> develop friendship. Look, I've already forgotten. Discover their story and then discern the next step. Look for the opportunities to share your faith with them. All right?
We'll talk a little bit more next week about uh, refining this a little bit, about how you share your, st- your story. But uh, today we're done. I'm sorry I've kept you a little late. Would you pray with me? Would you all stand with me and pray with me? And we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, as we come together today, Lord, we thank you for this time. Lord, and we thank you. You have, Jesus Christ said, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. We were lost, and you sought us out, and you saved us. But Father, even uh, as great as that is, the, the other great thing is that you desire to use us to seek and to save someone else. So Father, let us be willing vessels. Let us help us to make time for people. Help us to be willing and to walk in greater obedience in this area of our lives, we pray. Father, for if there's anyone here this, e- this morning who is lost, Lord God, we pray for them. Pray that they would be found by you. Uh, you are the great God. You're the great seeker. You're the one who seeks us out and finds us and draws us into your grace and your love and your forgiveness. And we're so grateful this morning, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' great name. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Thank you for being here today.